Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Hey, uh, do you ever wonder? I mean, wonder, wonder. You know, like when I was a kid, I was obsessed with this cult film called The Last Starfighter. And it was about this guy, Alex Rogan, uh, who used to play an arcade game in his caravan park in the middle of nowhere in America. And he played this so well that uh, one day this, uh, this spaceship came down from out of space and, and, and he, he was told, basically, that uh, he had been recruited to defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. That this game was really um, not just a game, it was in fact a universal test that they'd spread out through all of the universe. And, and he had been chosen as the only earthling to defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. And he goes on this great adventure. And Anyone seen that film? No, too much of an 80s, a couple of 80s cult classics in there. You know, I, like every, um, every time I would play my uh, Nintendo or my Sega Master System, I, I would pray. I had a faith back then, but I would pray that the Lord would somehow pick me. That I would be this kid that, that someone would come down and a spaceship would land in my front yard and I would be recruited to defend the frontier against Zer and the Kodan Amanda. Like, do you still ever, do you, do you still wonder like that? Or maybe the question is, um, when do we stop wondering? When do we grow up? And, you know, part of my theory is, and I think it's safe enough, I can't see any kids in the room, but uh, part of my theory is I, I, think, I think part of our, our stop, we stop wondering around about this time of year in about grade one or two. Am I right? Because it's about this time of year that some brat-faced friend, you know, the goody two-shoes one in class who thinks he knows everything, absolutely crushes your world and tells you that certain things aren't real. Remember that? <laughs> it's safe. Yeah, no one in the kids' room. <laughs> Couldn't preach that this morning. But you know what I'm talking about, right? And we, we've, we've felt that as kids when like our whole world came crashing down. And so that spark gets lost in us. The, the spark that I saw in my little girl yesterday as she lay on the lounge watching Tinkerbell and I could swear by her face she really thought that she's going to be able to fly one day. When do we stop wondering? And you know how it goes. You get... get taught that thing by the brat-faced kid. And then, but then there's a whole ra- other range of things that happen in life. You fall in love, you get your heart broken, and then you're told that love isn't real. Or that you're growing up and your parents split, and you're told that marriage isn't real. Or someone, someone in the church hurts you, <laughs> and you're told that Christianity's not real. Or that God's not real. And we have all of these mini non-wondering moments all of, over and over again and we continue to, to stop wondering. But here's what I want us to get this weekend. Particularly if you were watching in and this is either your first time to church or a friend's invited you or it's been a while since you've been in church. I want us to get this, that the Bible didn't create Christianity. Christians didn't even create Christianity. What happened at Easter created Christianity. And so we'll read through a passage from the, the book of John, which was like an eyewitness blog in the days. They wrote it down on less uh, technological bits of paper. It's papyrus. 
but from this, this blog of these eyewitnesses, we, we see this statement from Mary that she goes to the other followers of Jesus after she's seen him in the tomb. Uh, she's seen the empty clothes and, and she's seen an empty tomb and they've seen him die on the cross and she says, I've seen the Lord. And so out rushes this statement that Jesus is alive again and the world has thrust upon us this thing called Christianity. One event changed the course of history. Now here's all I want to ask you tonight. Regardless of where you sit, at which end of the faith spectrum, what if it's true? What, what would that mean for your life? What would that mean for death? What would it mean for life after death? What would it mean for how you live your life in light of that? Because, look, here's the reality. I want to tell, want to tell you tonight, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, we're all people of faith. Ooh, you've got faith in the chair that you're sitting in tonight, that it's going to uphold you for the rest of the service. <laughs> we're all people of faith. But, but, but often our faith, or the thing that we have faith, is shaped by the lenses, if you will, of which we're looking at that object of faith. Look, it's, not, it's true not just for Christians, by the way. You see it of scientists. You, know, you look at a bit of history, and there was a guy called Galileo. Anyone heard of Galileo? I mean, like for thousands of years, um, people believed that um, the earth was the center of the universe, and for thousands of years, and hundreds of years, certainly, people thought that the sun and the solar system revolved around the earth. And in walks Galileo and says, you know what, guys? I actually think it's the other way around. I think, I think the earth and everything else revolves around the sun. And suddenly, the whole worldview comes crashing down. And people think and debate. And ironically, the church does what the church has done best, um, stuff it up. And they call him a heretic for it. <laughs> but then at that moment, everyone believes again. And so what it says to us is that the way that we view the world is changeable. And it's possible that the things that we place our faith in don't. There are lots of different ways of viewing the world or three primary ways that I think about it. If you're wondering, I guess my question for you is, um, if you're wondering this Easter, I'm wondering what lens are you wondering through? You know, I look at these ones, that's what I call the smart lens. That's from the school of life that thinks that I've got it all together and I've worked it out and I'm an educated person. It's not possible that a man should rise from the dead and how the heck could his atoms and everything work itself out. And, and you can be academically smart, but let's be real, people think that they're religiously smart. And you can get the religiously smart people, they were the ones that called Galileo a heretic, to think that they know how they're viewing the world. That's the smart view. Then you have what I call the modern or the cool view. <laughs> and it's like man like, you seriously can't believe that a guy's been raised from the dead I mean it's just that was so 2,000 years ago <laughs> you know it's not that's not what we're into these days you know it's just it's sort of it's not up with with, 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 where, with where I'm at and, and at, at the heart of the modern view says it's fine to think about a guy that rose from the dead as long as it doesn't impinge on all the rest of the world's religion right we've all got to get along it's the cool view <laughs> And then there's the scariest view of them all. And it's the ones who have been hurt so badly by life, by the church. 
by things in life and they equate those pains of life with God and there comes a point in which they just refuse to see him at all. Or more, more importantly, we're talking about this good Friday. You're still there? Yeah. <laughs> we talked about this good Friday. This is what our bear Camus was talking about, that, that all of us, Christian or non-Christian, live under the shadow of death. And if we're real about it, we can only ever have fun in life outside of the truth of the resurrection if we do this. And we simply deny what is all headed for us. So here's the point I'm just trying to get through. Could you see that it's possible that in your wondering and in your um, search for faith that we are all wandering through some separate sets of lenses? And I guess my question for you then is, um, how's that working for you? Does it give you a resilience? Does it give you hope? Does it give you a steadfastness when all of life crashes in against you? Um, but be affirmed too that, that even the earliest Christians, if you even want to call them that, didn't have it all together. And that is the context that we see in this passage. What we see from John chapter 20 that I'm going to read from now is that we see a situation where someone's view of the world comes caving in. John chapter 20, verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had once been. And they asked a woman, why are you crying? And she says, they've taken my Lord away, she said. And I don't know where they've put him. And at this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me, where have you put him and I'll, I'll get him? And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not returned to the Father yet. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary went to the disciples and she said, I have seen the Lord. Now here's what I want us to get here tonight. How is it that a woman who had lived with Jesus... They said that Mary loved Jesus, had seen the miracles, seen him feed the 5,000, seen him walk on water, heard him talk about the way that he would die and be crucified and again raised on the third day. How could she miss it three times over? What I mean by that is like there's, there's empty tomb, there's empty clothes, and there's angels. How can, you, how can she mistake him for the gardener? And could it be this? Would it surprise you if I told you that the thought of a bodily resurrected man was as far off the map to the lens of a first century Jewish lady that it is for the modern person in Crow's Nest today? And friends, that's, that's the thing that gives me comfort. When I call people to believe again, please don't think that, look, we Christians, we just believe because we're gullible. This was off for Mary and she missed it. And what it shows you tonight is the ways that you can believe again. Just one way, and I'll leave you with this. How do you believe again? How do you wonder again when all of, all of your lenses of life have already been formed? The only way you believe again is you have a gardener moment. And this is what I mean by a gardener moment. Hopefully it's never happened to you, but it's those moments when you uh, go up to a lady and you say, 
oh my goodness, um, when are you due? And she says, I'm not pregnant. And what happens there, a fact, a fact pushes in on, on your, your framework and your assumption of what you believe to be true. It's a, in, other, in other words, it's disruptive, it's, it's offensive, it's awkward, it's embarrassing. And you know what? Coming to faith can be exactly the same way. It's that moment in which a fact, I've seen the Lord, breaks in on you. And you come to understand it for the first time. You see, rarely do I see a young professional in the lower North Shore of Sydney work, say to themselves, I've been working 60 hours a week behind my desk this week. I think I'm just going to turn up to church and believe in Jesus. <laughs> Something has to disrupt you. There has to be a disruptive moment. And a lot of people think that a lightning bolt's going to come from the sky. But no, it can be a disruptive person, a disruptive event, a crisis in your life. Someone that is inexplainable, inexplicable, is placed in your life and you're saying, why do they live like that? Why do they say that? Why do they worship like that? Why do they meet like that? Something has to disrupt you. So as we share Easter together this year, here's the reality. Last time I checked, the world's not getting rid of Christianity in fact, in many of the countries around the world, it's exploding. So Christianity is always going to be pushing in on you. And I believe that tonight, that, that, that it, it could mean this for us. My invitation to you this Easter is, is simply, would you just wonder again? I want to invite you back. Not back to church, not back to religion, but to wonder. And it means particularly, there are some of you sitting here tonight thinking, yeah, man, I wish I had invited that non-Christian workmate tonight to this message. Or you're all thinking this is exactly the message that that non-Christian friend of mine needs to hear. No, friends, it's the message that every Christian needs to hear first. Could it be that our fears, our anxieties, our, our, our lack of boldness, that all of these things are a function that we... We haven't, we haven't lifted our lives up into the reality of that fact. In other words, we haven't allowed God to disrupt us on a weekly basis. But it also means for you that I hope, look, if you are checking out Christianity tonight, you know, I'm so glad that you're here. I would hope and hope and hope and pray that maybe just maybe something said tonight disrupts you. It's not what you expected. It's not what, you're th what you thought. And if that be the case, can I say to you, that's how God works in your life. It's been my story. It's been the story of hundreds of people in this place. They weren't looking for him. They didn't, they didn't necessarily go chasing him, but he broke into their lives. We can't avoid Christianity, but we have to deal with the fact that the Bible, not the Bible, not Christians, but the resurrection was the one event that changed the course of of history, and all I ask is that we begin to wonder again. All I ask is that you would be open enough to think about the bigger pictures of life. My absolute conviction, and I'm sure it's not me, that there is an ember within all of our hearts in this place that yearns for those stories to be real, that there's something still within Sam that wants that sort of stuff to be real. 
And then I come to the story of Easter. What? That, that, that God would punch a hole inside of the, the universe and here is Jesus. He rises from the dead. What, what, what is that? That, that? that God in human form and then, and then gets a band of followers and, and, and then calls them to follow him. What is that? You know, you know what that is? Greetings, Starfighter. You have been recruited to defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. <laughs> the story's true. And the story that you are yearning for to, to live a big life, we have to realize is true in the gospel. I'll leave you with this. C.S. Lewis puts it so well. Our lifelong nostalgia, our longing to be re- reunited with something in the universe from which we now feel cut off, to be on the inside of some door which we have always seen from the outside is no mere neurotic fantasy, but the truest index of our real situ- situation. We are to shine as the sun and be given the morning star. Oh, we, we do not merely want to see beauty We want something hardly to be able to be put into words. We want to be united with the beauty we see. We want to pass into it. We want to receive it into ourselves, to bathe in it, to become part of it. But this is the promise of the gospel, that one day God will give us the morning star and put on the splendor of the sun. And the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with the rumor that someday, God willing, we'll get in. Let me pray. Father, for each and every one of us, I pray that we would be people here, that there would be people here that would believe again this Easter. That somehow in the deep mystery of how you operate, that hearts and minds would be awoken, that frameworks would fall from our eyes, and that that we would see you just that little bit more clearly. Lord, we thank you, those who follow you, Lord Jesus, on a day like today. We thank you and we stop to reflect on the gravity of the reality of this truth. Uh, That you're not dead, you're alive to this day. And you're alive here in this moment. Holy Spirit, take that and impress that upon our hearts this Easter, I pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.